Bonjour les amis et bienvenue, welcome to the next episode of the Paris Lessons. Merci d'être là, thank you for being here. The ideas that I want to share with you this week are very much in line with what we talked about last week about self-care, but in a more precise way, in a way that's related to time, in a way that's much more related to our inner experience, I want to share with you some ideas about living in the moment or being in the moment or being fully present for the moment. I discovered a very beautiful line from a wonderful poem written by Nicolas Boileau. He was a French poet who lived in the 17th century. The poem is called A Monsieur Arnaud, and this is the line. I'll say it in French. Le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. Le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. The moment when I speak is already far from me. The moment when I speak is already far from me. Le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. And I discovered this because it was quoted in a text by William James. I know I've been referring to him a lot, but I actually just turned in the paper I've been working on on uh, Friday about William James's um, his concept of consciousness, which was a such a fascinating subject to dive into, a very, very complex subject. As Miriam, my my colleague, my colleague, my classmate, we'd say colleague en français, at the Sorbonne and friend and also teacher, part of Speak French, you know that she's available to do French conversation practice sessions with you as well as give you online lessons. As Miriam always says, je ne cherche pas la facilité. I don't look for um, facilité for ease. That's just sort of one of my character traits. I always go for the most complex, even when I don't realize it. So I absolutely did that with this paper. Uh, but I learned so much and I came across so many beautiful things. The line of this poem being one of them. And actually in the text where James refers to the poem, he gives credit to the English philosopher named Shadworth Hodgson, who lived in the 19th century, um, thanks to whom James discovered the line in this poem. This line is intended to really illustrate the way that our minds, well, the place, if you will, where our minds live. And I'm sharing this with you because I know that we're we're entering an intense time of year that's intensely joyful, intensely busy, and there's this overriding sensation too of, of how fleeting it is and how we really just, you know, it only comes once a year. We want to enjoy the moment. We want to be present. I mentioned this last week about prioritizing your self-care by literally planning it in your schedule so that and communicating about that authentically so that you can be more present for the people that you love, for the people that love you, for these moments that you've been looking forward to so much. That said, I think that we often, and when I say we, I'm including myself, put a tremendous amount of pressure on ourselves when we talk about being in the moment. 
what I loved about the line of this poem is it so beautifully, so poetically, if you will, explains how we're never really in a moment. We're in this flow of time. And by the way, William James, um, he, he read French, he wrote in French, he spoke in French. One of the core elements of my paper was um, a speech that he gave in French in Rome at a psychology conference towards the turn of the 20th century. So let that be some inspiration for you on your French journey. You know, I always love sharing with you other Anglophones who have spoken or who speak French fluidly. And this speech that he wrote was his French. I mean, it was remarkable, Um, not surprisingly. So this poem, this line from this poem that he quotes in his text, he, and I believe it was in I can tell you exactly. It was in the Principles of Psychology where he refers to this poem. Le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. So, according to James and many other psychologists of his time, the way that our mind works, we can't really ever be in the present moment because our mind's always a tiny bit behind. We're in we're always in sort of a moment that just happened. So if you're someone that puts a lot of pressure on yourself to really be present and really be be in the moment, but then at the same time, you almost experience this sort of block around being in the moment because you find it very challenging to do. And also, you know, if you're really, really in the moment, you're, you're, not witnessing the moment. And this is where it becomes a little bit technical. And this is where the line of the poem comes in. The only way that we're able to witness the moment, i.e. be in the moment, is to be a tiny bit behind it, right? To be in that, 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 you know, is already far from me in the line of the poem. Et déjà loin de moi. Le moment où je parle est déjà Loin de moi. I love this phrase so much. I've been using it this week in moments where I feel my stress level rise or moments where I wish I had more time to do things. I'm using it as a reminder that I'm not just living in a moment and I'm not just, you know, living in the planned future, nor am I stuck in the past, but I'm living in a fluidity that's constant. And for me, that's a very calming thought. And also this phrase is just so beautiful. Le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. The moment when I speak, or the moment when I'm speaking, is already far from me. So I wanted to suggest that you use this sort of as a meditation or as a mantra, if you will, over these next few weeks, during times where you wish you had more time to accomplish something, during times where you're just in you're, the moment is so precious, you wish it would last forever, during times where maybe you feel imbalanced or fragmented and you don't feel like you're really fully witnessing the moment. That's another thing that might help you. This idea of rather than being in the moment, but witnessing the moment. That's another way of saying mindful. I think that the the term mindful is challenging because that that suffix full 
I think can be very confusing, the mind full, because I think that it gives us this idea that if we're going to be mindful, we need to be filled with this peace. We need to be filled with this moment. We need to be filled with this calm. And that's a very challenging thing to do as a human being. So this idea of being a witness to the moment, I find very helpful because then we're just, we're only our minds here witnessing the moment. It's also very useful because it gives our mind something to do. It gives our mind some imagery to work with. Our minds are very active. They're searching. They love to be given directions. You can give your mind this direction of, ah, I'll be a witness. Instead of trying to be in the moment and quiet my mind, I'll let my mind be a witness to the moment. Remembering that, it's very challenging, i.e. impossible to be 100% completely in the moment because the moment is already gone. And it's also a very beautiful reminder of just how precious time is and how everything's always changing. Those of you who have taken some of my, uh, my courses like French Confidence or Being Yourself the French Way, you've already heard me talk about how the French are so wonderful about making time their friend. They're not uh, obsessing about you know, trying to maximize their productivity in the tiniest amount of time. They're not you know, guilting themselves for taking time off, for resting when they need to. Nor are they cramming, nor are they rushing projects. They're doing the essential. They're doing what needs to be done. But they're making time their friend. They're knowing that the more time they take with things, the more intention will be infused in those things. They also, whether they actually recognize it or not, they're doing a beautiful thing. They're taking out a lot of the resistance of their their experience of life. They're taking out a, a lot of the resistance of, that can often be found in the creative process when we try to rush things or when we procrastinate doing certain things. Both, both procrastinating and rushing often happen out of fear, fear of not being enough, fear of you know not being sure of the outcome of our project or a decision we're trying to make. Whether the French realize it or not, this way of not rushing things is a very wonderful way to, to lessen the power of this fear and instead give that power to whatever it is we're concentrating on, be it a decision we're making, a professional project, something in our lives that's very personal and important to us. It could be, case in point, a holiday celebration or, or a relationship or a vacation, or simply a relaxing Sunday morning. So this, le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. It's not meant to be interpreted as this, this um, as an idea of time being out of our reach. It's not meant to be interpreted as uh, as an idea of us not having enough time. It's meant to be interpreted in a much more comforting way where we remember how fleeting the moment is and use that 
to take this pressure off of ourselves of trying to be in the moment, not trying to be in the moment. We say it like this in English, you know, be in the moment, be in the moment. We emphasize the moment, but really the problem is that we're trying to be in the moment and there's no the moment, the moment in quotes, because the moment when I speak or the moment when I'm speaking is already far from me. The moment when I speak is already far from me. Le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. Case in point with making time your friend. It's been an interesting last few days here in Paris. I don't know if you've read the news, the strikes about um, the planned reforms for retirement. So there's been a public transportation strike that's been very significant. Uh, it started Thursday. We were actually, our teachers at the Sorbonne were asked to start to plan for the school being closed in light of these strikes. So we've had to change some exam schedules. Some exams have turned into papers or take-home projects or in-class presentations to happen at a later date. So the Sorbonne actually closed Wednesday afternoon because the strike started a bit early and it seems as though it's going to carry on into tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, I think one of the easy jokes to make about France is, you know, how th there are always strikes or protests. Compared to the states, at least as far as strikes go, this is absolutely true. Uh, France is a culture, French, France is a country that has a culture that uh, really values self-expression and that really values liberty in that sense, freedom in that sense of, of if you don't like something, stating that and standing up for that and really making your voice heard in an organized way. So when strikes, major strikes and protests and things like this happen here, they're generally very organized. Of course, unfortunately, there's always some chaos that goes along with them. There are oftentimes groups that, you know, want to take advantage of these sort of, you know, big, um, big movements to do destructive things. But, you know, as I said, Teachers weeks ago at the Sorbonne were telling us we need to plan for the school to be closed because of the coming strike. So the strike was a very planned thing. There's a lot of really wonderful news on the internet, on the radio. And getting back to my point of, you know, making time your friend, no one here is that annoyed by any of this, um, by this disruption happening and, you know, you can imagine this is happening at the end of the semester. Classes end on December 20th. So classes end December 20th, but then we have more exams in January after the holiday break. It's one of the rare instances where I think France has it wrong and the United States has it right. Because I remember when I was in college, we always finished all of our exams before the holiday, which was so nice. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a drag to have to study all through the holidays, but this is my second year doing it. So now, now it's just normal to me. Now I just know I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. We always joke, you know, at the Sorbonne, you have your, you, you have your glass of champagne on Christmas Eve and you have your glass of champagne on New Year's, but otherwise, you know, you're using that time off to, to prepare for your exams. So, but no one's really, no one I've talked to anyway is, you know, angry or annoyed by this. It's unfortunate because there's some lectures that we won't have, but 
There were also strikes last year for different reasons. There were strikes the year before. I remember the year when I was trying to apply at the Sorbonne, I was trying to get information there. So I was trying to get to the office in the philosophy department every day and it was closed and same thing. It was, this was spring of 2018. Yeah. So anyway, it is part of life here. But like I said, it's usually something that's planned for. And because the French really value freedom and liberty and, and freedom of expression so much in this in this respect. It's something that's just considered part of life and people are given warning about it and you just organize your your life accordingly. It's kind of like having a snow day, right? There's not really much that you can do about it and we're all in the same boat. It would be so so silly to become crazy and become filled with resistance about something that really is connected to time. And time is the one thing, as much as we would love to, that we cannot control. Remember, le moment où je parle est déjà loin de moi. I received lots of great questions this week about celebrating the holidays in France. I'm also going to be putting together a little a little gift guide for you all. I'll try to get that together for the newsletter. Just things that I would like to get as a gift if I, uh, well, I would love to get them if I was, you know, living here, but things that I would love to get um, as a gift as a Francophile in the United States or elsewhere in the world. So I hope that you enjoy those. One of the things that, so yesterday I posted on Instagram, I went to the, the Marché des Enfants Rouges and I was walking around and you have all the Sapin de Noël, the Christmas trees that are out already. It was so sweet and so lovely. All the Christmas lights are up. The Christmas lights in my neighborhood went up a couple of weeks ago. So these beautiful, beautiful, sweet lights that they hang over the streets. The streets in my neighborhood tend to be really small. The street I live on is tiny. It might as well be um, just a pedestrian street, but it's not. It's a, it's a one-lane street, and the hotel has these beautiful lights on the front of it. The lights on the Champs-Élysées are already up. The hotels already have their decorations up. I was walking in my neighborhood. I went to get groceries yesterday evening and I walked in front of the Franc Prix. So that's like, that's just a very uh, sort of general grocery ch uh, chain here. That would be like a, a Franc Prix, I would say, would be like a Safeway in California. Or um, I'm trying to think what it would be like in New York. It's definitely not, you know, a Whole Foods, but it's, you know, it's your, it's like your, it's your normal grocery store that you find in every single city. And they already had the oysters out front, the fresh oysters still in their complete shell, of course. And this I always love because this is winter. If you've taken my Living with Food the French Way course, you've heard me talk about the, the foods that we eat in different seasons here in France. And that's one of the ways that it's really easy to be raisonable or reasonable here when it comes to all the very, very tempting food is you just, you know that certain things are seasonal. So you just, you just eat them up and you enjoy them. So oysters are a very big thing this time of year. I'm so craving some wonderful oysters and a glass of white wine on terrasse. I know that that sounds crazy because it's kind of chilly here. 
I mean, I really feel like I'm becoming more and more French now that I actually want to sit outside on a terrace with my coat and my scarf and my hat on like a Parisienne, like a Parisian. Um, that's just what we do here. We love to be outside. When I first moved here as a Californian, I thought that that was crazy. Even with heat lamps, I remember thinking, why does everyone want to be outside? That's nuts, but it's so fun. Plus when you sit outside on terrace, that's when you do your people watching. And there's something really cozy and quaint and romantic about being bundled up outside on terrasse with a bunch of people from your neighborhood, eating oysters, sipping white wine. Shellfish plays a very important part in the Christmas Eve meal here en France. So there's typically uh, shellfish, oysters. I'm having Christmas Eve dinner with my aunt's family. They're coming up from the south of France because there's a new baby coming in the family in the part of the family uh, that lives here in Paris. So they're all coming up here this year. I'm so excited. You've, you've read my writing about them. If you've taken my classes, you've maybe heard me talk about them. They were really my, my first authentic French experience when I came to France when I was 20 years old for my year abroad. So this is my my aunt's family, my French-American aunt, who's an aunt by marriage. And they so graciously just welcomed me into their home and into their lives when I was a student here. They're a huge part of my French journey. They're one of the inspirations behind starting Speak French, Speak French Spread Love, because I realized that it was just so key for me to have people that I really trusted that were really encouraging to speak French with at a certain point in my French journey. So at that point, I've been studying French for two years. And now, I mean, they've been part of my life for for 20 years. So it's just been such a fun adventure with them. And they're very French. They're also very Southern French. They live in Narbonne. So that to me means, you know, they're very it's kind of like the difference between being a Californian or being a New Yorker. They're just a little more, they live in a, they live in a part of the country where there's a lot more sun. They wear brighter colors. They're just kind of, um, they're actually California, New York might not be the right comparison, but when it comes to Southern France and Paris, they're more expressive. They wear brighter clothes. They're, they're a little more connected with nature. And they're very gourmand. If you've taken my living with food the French way, you know what I mean. They love to eat and enjoy the finer things in life. And they know that I love those things too. And they know that I love French culture. So I spent Easter with them a couple of years ago. Um, holidays with them are always the best. There will be lots of champagne. There's always lots of champagne Christmas Eve. So even though I have to study, I'll of course have my champagne. There will be lots of shellfish because the dad loves oysters like I do. There will probably be foie gras with pain d'épices. So that's gingerbread and usually like a red onion confit. To be honest, every year I struggle more and more um, with the foie gras. Not, not, as a, not as a tradition in and of itself. It's such, an, it's such like a, um, the actual gesture of it and the taste of it and all of it. It's such a part of Christmas here. But it's also just so cruel. So I don't know if I'll be doing the foie gras this year, but I know that there will be foie gras there. 
and we'll do all the presents Christmas Eve. Christmas in France is generally much more understated than in the United States, which has, you know, its own charm to it. You know, we have all the lights up, as I said, and we have the food traditions. The gift giving is generally not at all on the same level as it is in the United States. Not surprisingly, generally, we we tend to really go to extremes in American culture as compared to French culture. I mean, really the important thing here in France is being together, enjoying champagne together, not working, relaxing, la gourmandise, eating more than you need to, overeating, and just enjoying this moment that only happens one time a year. There aren't Christmas carols everywhere here. There isn't like a, a Santa parade. You don't see as you don't see as much Santa in marketing either here as you do in the United States. Um, it's not that Christmas doesn't have its own footing as far as commerce goes, but you definitely don't see a ton of marketing, you know, with Santa and the elves. Rudolph is not a thing here. <laughs> Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Um, so there's that. There's those elements that I miss every year. I always love to play Christmas carols at home. It's interesting because a lot of students always ask me, what are some French Christmas carols? I found a couple over the years, um, but you know, it's not, it's just not part of French culture. Christmas carols are such a huge part of American culture. So you hear them in some stores here, but of course they'll be in English because they're mainly, they're, they're mainly Anglophone, uh, but it's not at all the same. It's not on the same level as, um, as it is in the States. Case in point, I feel like most of the holiday movies are American too. So one year with my friend Marie, who you've also heard me talk about a lot, who was my sister and my host family when I was a student here, it both it turned out that we were both sort of just here on our own in Paris on Christmas. This was actually right before um, I moved here. This was in 2014. And we had the best day. We made this sort of French-American Christmas. Marie spent a lot of time in the States. So... We watched, uh, we had our Anglophone holiday movie. We watched Love Actually. We had champagne. We did the foie gras. It was perfect. I think we had salmon also on toasts. Toasts, I don't mean toasts in the English sense. When we say de toasts, toasts, spelled the same way. In French, we mean um, little, little tiny smaller pieces of toasted bread or sometimes store-bought toasts are like, I don't, I do not like them. I feel like they're giant croutons and I don't like croutons just because they're so hard. Um, but they're these, you know, little tiny, you know, very, very hard pieces of bread that look like little pieces of toast. If you're ever staying at like a and b, &B, &B here in France, and the owner asks you if you want toasts in the morning, you're not, don't expect to get the, the toasts that you're thinking of in your Anglophone mind. You're going to probably get these really hard toasts. I do love toasted baguette. That's one of my favorite things ever. I actually have a special toaster here. I'm staring at it right now that has this special function on it where these two levers come up. It's a very long toaster, so it can fit half of a, of a baguette. And it has these two levers that come up so you can toast croissant on it too. It's my French toaster. It's one of my favorite things. 
So voila, chers amis, there's some holiday traditions for you where France is lacking for me in the sort of Christmas carols and Santa everywhere and, and Rudolph areas. It more than makes up for it with the Christmas markets, les marchés de Noël, with the vin chaud, the mulled wine. I love that. I was walking home from the Sorbonne the other night and I saw another, um, a Christmas market that had, that's up now near um, Hôtel de Ville, near L'Hôtel de Ville, that I hadn't noticed yet. And I was just enjoying the smells of the vin chaud and walking through all the candy and all of the crafts that are for sale for gifts. These are the things that I just, I, that make my heart swell here this time of year and the idea of going to the countryside and and being in a wonderful maison de campagne, a wonderful country house and having having a fireplace and and doing these sorts of cozy, cozy, wonderful things. But most of all, having a restful moment and gratitude with with the people that make up my life that I love and that love me. And I know that you're looking forward to the same thing. I wish you relaxation. I wish for you to be able to be present to the flow of time. Don't put pressure on yourself. I don't like to tell you what to do, but but I'm telling you what to do a bit here. I'm giving you some advice. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to be in the moment. There is no the moment. And the wonderful thing is that we have this amazing ability to remember and to relive things in our mind. And if you think of the memories from your life, when you look back and you think of the moments that you remember the most, sometimes they're the most boring, if you will, events as far as what you were actually doing or where you were, but they're, they're events that were infused with an emotion or a thought that really stayed with you. These were moments where you were intensely witnessing what you were a part of. So remember that. I think if we put pressure on ourselves to be in the moment, we get in our own way of witnessing the flow of time, of witnessing the moments that are presenting themselves to us, that are flowing through us, and that are flowing into our memories. Et voilà, chers amis. There you go, dear friends. Je vous embrasse très très fort. I send you a very, very big kiss. Et je vous souhaite... Une très belle semaine. And I wish you a very beautiful week.